Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. We've been in a series of talks. We've been talking about worship, and uh, we've called this series of talks, Why We Sing. And for those of you who have not been here for every step of the way, let me just take a couple of minutes to review for you where we've been and hopefully set up a little bit of where we are going. So week one, we talked about the truth that music can take you back. You guys remember listening to those oldies and all of a sudden you're like, yo, I'm there, I'm dancing with Monica Flores in seventh grade, my first slow dance, right? And and so like music can take you back, but the truth is that music takes you back, but worship can take you where? Forward, right? And so there's this principle of power in playing our own harp, right? We looked at the life of David, and we saw very clearly that worshipers kill giants, that there's strength for us in our personal worship that will give us what we need to do what's in front of us. Can I get an amen? So worship takes you forward. Play your own harp. Be a worshiper. Week two, Chris did a a phenomenal job of breaking down for us that it's not just simply what we say, but it's how we say it, right? That there's power in the words that we declare when we realize what we're declaring. And it changes what we do. Our physical bodies will respond to the truth that we declare when we own what we are saying. We, we can't just be like, oh, glory to God. That's not really like tying in to what we're really saying. But when you really think about like the glory of God, you're like, what? It affects your physical body because of the power of connecting not just what you're saying, but how you are saying it. And this week, we want to kind of cruise one more step further and talk about rhythm. We're going to have a dancing contest, actually, to crank this off. That's a little bit of a joke. So we're going to talk about rhythm, but we're going to talk about it in a little bit of a unique way, right? This is not about just simply, like, can I get a little bit more cowbell, right? This, This, like... I want to talk about rhythm from the standpoint of momentum. So here's my question for you. Do you have momentum? One person, right? Do you have momentum? Think about it. Is your life moving in the direction that you want it to move with purpose and force? Do you have momentum? Momentum can be very elusive, can it? Right? It, it seems to be easier to identify when we lose momentum than when we have it. Have you felt that? Have, have you felt that you more kind of wake up to the reality that you've lost momentum more so that you experience the joy of just flowing in momentum? And here's why. Sudden stoppages of momentum end always the same way with a crash. Sudden stoppage of momentum is a crash, right? Have you ever had a crash in your life, in your relationships, in your career, right? A sudden stoppage of momentum always leads to a crash, right? When a few years ago, Liz and I went with about 50 college leaders at the church that we were working with at the time in Waco, Texas, uh, to Lake Stryker, okay? Lake Stryker was a lake house of one of the parents Uh, of a person who was in our college ministry. They opened up their house to us to be able to take a bunch of our leaders. We were having a phenomenal time. Now, here's the deal. I grew up on the lake, grew up with boats, grew up fishing, skiing, tubing, all those things. But my eyes were open to a whole new level 
when I experience the glory of the three tube behind one boat. We put three tubes behind one boat, and my, my, one of my all-time favorite people of all time, a, a true legend, a hero, Rusty Phoenix, is driving this boat, and Rusty knows no fear and therefore expects you to have no fear. So we have three tubes behind one boat and a driver who is hell-bent on making sure that everybody on all of those tombs, tubes is in a tomb. Okay, like he is just like flying around. But here's the thing, right? We were, we were told it's not just about hanging on. What we want you to do, our expectation, is that you would actually jump from tube to tube and try to knock people off. We got a couple pictures of this actually happening. Okay, this, that's me jumping from tube to tube. We got a few others. Click through them quickly. There's some good ones. Yeah, exerting dominance. That's what I call that photo right there. Letting, letting the truth be known, Andrew Eibel. Holding on for dear life, okay, right? So this was absolute, like it was pandemonium. It was pure, beautiful chaos, okay? Until we experienced a sudden stoppage of momentum. Because when you know when you turn on a boat and you're on a tube? How many of you experienced this? And the tube slings like and like quadruples your, your speed, right? I don't know physics, so I make up words. And it's like flies you across the water, right? So we're doing this, and I get flung over a tube, get thrown upside down. So now I'm like doing a somersault in the air, going like the equivalent of 300 miles an hour, okay? I'm not an exaggerator. I'm a preacher, okay? 350 miles an hour, and one of my legs is up by my nose, and my other leg hits the water. A crash. A sudden stoppage of momentum, right? And that sudden stoppage of momentum created what I like to call snap city to my hip flexor. And I was not able to walk, and it was so badly damaged that sitting down, I couldn't lift my knee. A sudden stoppage of momentum equals a crash, and crashes lead to strain and pain. I wonder how many crashes we have in our lives that lead to strain and pain because we don't have a rhythm in our momentum. Momentum without rhythm leads to a crash. But listen to this. Write this down. Healthy rhythm creates sustained momentum. Healthy rhythm creates sustained momentum. When we talk about momentum, it's really not this, like, elusive kind of like vapor in the air that we're trying to catch. No, momentum is actually a byproduct of a healthy rhythm. Healthy rhythms create sustained momentum, but momentum without rhythm leads to destruction. Healthy rhythms create sustained momentum. So, so how do we create a healthy rhythm that is going to lead to sustainable Momentum and, and to unpack that, I want us to dive into Luke 5. So, if you have a Bible, I want you to jump there. Luke 5, we're going to start in verse 12 because I believe this passage gives us some clues on how we begin to understand what a healthy rhythm looks like that's going to lead to sustained momentum. Verse 12, it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell 
with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, can you make me clean? And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him, Jesus, and to be healed of their sickness. Have you ever read a passage of scripture and it just really honestly leads to the question why? Like there's a couple of whys in this passage. First of all, find it very interesting and a big why. Why would Jesus tell him not to tell anybody what had happened? Like this is a why. Why would you want that to happen? The other thing is the guy was already cleansed. Jesus said, be clean. He was immediately clean. Why would he then tell them, go to the priest, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses told you to offer for a testimony? Like why would Jesus say that? Why would he tell him to be quiet and not spread the truth about what had happened to him, and why in the world would he tell him to go show himself to the priest? Well, you got to understand, in Jesus' day, the priest, they managed leprosy in the towns that they were in. If you were a priest, one of your jobs was to go see everybody who had leprosy and to make the call when they crossed over to being extremely contagious and then they would be told that they needed to leave the town for the safety of everyone else and they would go live in a leper colony, a little community of lepers for the safety of the rest of the community. I mean, this was a role of the priest in the day is that they needed to simply identify, yes, you are past being able to hang out with people, now you need to go and live with other lepers. But there was a rhythm that lepers were very familiar with as well. Because that rhythm was is that when they went to go see the priest, if they were getting better, if they were getting healed, then there was a process to go from being unclean to clean. Because at the time, there was not a whole lot of clarity about leprosy itself. No one really knew why people would get it. No one really understood how to cure it. But everyone definitely understood that you weren't supposed to touch it. Because lepers were considered ceremonially unclean. If you touch something unclean, according to Leviticus 7, verse 21, if you were clean and you touch something unclean, then you now are unclean. And if you acted like you were not unclean, then the consequences were absolute. Literally, it says in Leviticus 7, 21, that if you are clean and you touch something unclean, either an unclean human or an animal or something that slithers on the ground, and then you eat of the sacrifice of fellowship, meaning you go hang out in church and enjoy the feast, you will be cut off. To experience being unclean, experience something unclean, touch it, interact with it, and you didn't didn't go through the process, the rhythm of going from unclean to clean, the devastation of that was absolute. So people went to great lengths 
to not encounter anything or anyone that was unclean so that they would not have to subject themselves to the process, the rhythm of becoming clean. So this leper, just like everyone else who had leprosy, had not been touched, had not been spoken to, had not been engaged his family. He'd just been left for dead. No wonder he comes and runs and dives at Jesus' feet and says, please, please, make me clean. It's amazing that Jesus heals him, but then instructs him to go show himself to the priest. And here's why. If you were to read this rhythm of going from unclean to clean in Leviticus 14, starting in verse 2, you would find that it's amazing the links that this leper would have to go through to not just experience being clean, but to be seen by the community as being clean. So this whole process was very simple, actually. The priest would get a piece of wood, some cedar. He would get some hyssop, which was like an herb. It's an aromatic herb. It smells like soap, they say. It was a bitter herb. And we see it all throughout the Bible, actually, in correlation with this idea of forgiveness. Even David, after he fell into sin and slept with Bathsheba, in Psalm 51, it says, cleanse me with hyssop. There was this forgiving reality that was associated with this herb. And so the Levitical priest would then get two live birds, a piece of cedar, a piece of wood, and a scarlet thread and some hyssop and a big bowl of water. And the priest was to look at the person who had leprosy, expect him, and see that, yes, you are now clean. And then one of those live birds would be sacrificed, would be killed over the pot of water. And that water would then become a mixture of blood and water. And the live bird would be wrapped onto the piece of cedar, a piece of tree, with the hyssop, with the scarlet thread, tying it onto the tree. And then it would be dipped in the blood and the water. And the priest would go to the person who had been healed from leprosy and splash seven times the blood and the water on them. And that would be the first and the biggest step of them being seen as clean. Do you see it? Jesus came and was tied to a tree. And blood and water flowed from his side so that no matter what made us unclean would be washed away. We'd be whiter than snow because of the blood that was shed. Jesus wanted this man to encounter the reality of why he was here. And he wanted to restore, not this this beautiful picture of forgiveness, this rhythm of grace, this rhythm of forgiveness, of the power of being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, demonstrated by this religious act. Jesus was saying, hey, I just don't want you to be clean. I want you to be restored to community. So I want the community to see you as clean. And so he called him to go go through a process, a rhythm. And here's why. It's because he didn't want this man's breakthrough just to be personal momentum. He wanted this man's breakthrough to be corporate momentum. 
He wanted it to affect not just him. He wanted it to shape the man's family. He wanted it to shape the worship that was going on in the temple. He wanted it to be a corporate momentum because healthy rhythm creates sustained momentum. And this rhythm of forgiveness was on display as Jesus called this man to not go to his family, not go running down the street, but to go show himself to the priest and to experience what Jesus was going to display on the cross personally so that his momentum would be corporate momentum because healthy rhythm creates sustained momentum, but momentum without rhythm leads to destruction. And if we're going to read on, Verse 16, we're going to encounter another why. Because Jesus doesn't just display for this leper the power of the rhythm of forgiveness, but he's getting ready to do something in verse 16 that's going to demonstrate for us the power of the pause. The power of the pause. Luke 5, verse 16. Again, this man had been clean. The word of what Jesus has done has spread. People are coming from everywhere, miles around to be prayed for, to experience what this man has experienced. And it says in verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. Why? Like everybody is coming. Revival happened, man. Isn't this why you're here, Jesus? Like, is this exactly why you're here? So that the news of you and your kingdom would spread on the earth and people would come and encounter you and they're coming from everywhere to experience the power of the forgiveness and the cleansing reality of relationship with Jesus and you're going to pull away? You're going to go away? You're going to leave? Is this not shocking to anybody else? Like, why in the middle of revival? This is like revival. Jesus is like, I'm out. Like, why in the world would Jesus leave? Because momentum without rhythm equals destruction. But healthy rhythm creates sustained momentum. And Jesus was demonstrating for us something that's a God rhythm. It was displayed for us in Genesis 2. Have you ever read the creation story and gotten to day 7 and scratched your head? Right, day 6, God creates Adam and Eve, gives them a simple instruction. Go work the fields, have a lot of sex and increase, okay? Go name everything. He gave them a job. Day six, created on day six, gives them a job, tells them, go work the fields, go do this, go increase, go expand, go advance, go explore. Then day seven, they wake up ready to work. I mean, they've only been created for 12 hours. And God's like, today, we rest. And then it's like, and because they rested, God made the day holy. Here's the deal. Does God need rest? 
Is God like confound to the restraints of humanity? No, he's beyond it. He's, he's bigger than it. Like, what? Does God like, it doesn't say that God was like exhausted from all the creation. And so he just like had to like sit down and like rest his feet on the earth and just be like, whoo, what a day. No, it's like not at all. It's just like, it's just, he just rested. He's like, we're, we're going to rest. Why? It's because he's demonstrating a healthy rhythm. It's the, it's the rhythm of the pause, the power of the pause, because healthy rhythms create sustained momentum. We were not resting in Genesis 2, verse 2, day 7 for God. Oftentimes you'll read the creation story and you think that all of the creating was done on day 6, but the truth is creation continued because in day 7 God created a rhythm. And that rhythm was the power of the pause. That when we have strength, we stop. When we have momentum, when the crowds are coming, sometimes we pull away in a lonely place because we don't just want to have momentum that doesn't have any rhythm that leads to a crash. We want to have sustained momentum, so we need a healthy rhythm. And so Jesus displayed it for us in Luke 5. God created it in Genesis 2. But we have forsaken it. Man, we, we do not understand what it means to pause at all. And we can't even pause when you're forced to wait. Have you ever, like, looked up? I've, I've been started trying to do this thing of, like, intentionally forgetting my phone places to help me with this power of the pause. Because there's this truth that we stop, we have built-in pause moments throughout our day all the time. And we do what? We immediately grab something to do. We wonder why we're worn out, strung out. Because we don't have a healthy rhythm. We don't have a healthy rhythm, so we don't have sustained momentum. We have a culture that is more familiar with the byproduct of momentum without rhythm, which is absolute destruction, mental breakdown, anxiety, depression. That is more common than people understanding the power of the pause. But hear me, look, not all pauses are created equal. Have you ever gone on vacation and come back and needed a vacation from your vacation? Your vacation was birthed out of the need for a pause, but pausing in and of itself does not hold power. Pausing with purpose holds power. The rhythm of the pause is critical that we understand that it's not just about stopping what we're doing. The power and the purpose of the pause is to return to what God is doing. Day seven was to allow the Adam and Eve to look at all that was created and go, wow, this is amazing. Can you believe we get to live here? This is great. Power of the purpose in the pause is that we return to Jesus. Jesus only did what the Father was doing. And when it says that he often, it wasn't a once thing. It wasn't a twice thing. It was a rhythm thing. Often, Jesus would pull away to a lonely place and what? Pray. He wouldn't pull away to a, a lonely place and play video games on his phone not pausing with purpose. 
That's just pausing because you're crashing, because you have no rhythm in your momentum. I think that we find ourselves in ditches sometimes because we don't understand how to pause. We get so worn out, so strung out, we don't understand this principle that Jesus displays for us in Luke 5, 16, where he often pulled away to a lonely place and prayed. That's not in our rhythm. And so you know what? We're programmed to stop when we need to stop. Have you ever encountered your body saying, Right? And you're like, oh, my mind is willing, but my body is weak. Right? And you're like, man, I don't want to stop, but I am stopping. Do you know the unfortunate consequence of a not planned pause is that oftentimes the crash involves sin. When you're tired, things that will kill you become attractive. When you're worn out, things that actually won't satisfy you, we begin to crave. Jesus often pulled away to a lonely place and prayed. Jesus did not wait until he crashed to experience the power of the pause. Jesus paused so that he could have the momentum that he was created to live in on earth sustainably. I'm glad that Jesus pulled away and prayed. Because the miracles kept happening. And he was able to live a sinless life. And he was able to fulfill his mission on the earth. And to die on a cross for our sins so that we could be clean. And the unclean parts in us be made clean. Healthy rhythm creates sustained momentum. And momentum without rhythm leads to destruction. You know what? As a community, we want to respond to this word not just personally, we want to respond corporately. And you have heard over the past couple of weeks that we're going to do something we've never done before, but this is actually going to become a rhythm for us. And it's going to be the rhythm of the pause. That we don't just individually grab this truth and say, how does this affect my personal life? We corporately want to respond to this and say, we want to have a rhythm in the middle of great momentum to pause and return and to get some time with Jesus and to pray and to get our hearts filled so that all of the momentum that we're experiencing and all the amazing things that are coming will not slow down, get bogged down or crash, but only increase. As a church, we want to have a healthy rhythm that will lead to our sustained momentum. And so what we're going to do is how we're going to respond to this word is that next week, Sunday, May 27th, 27th, yeah, May 27th, we are not going to corporately meet. We're going to corporately pause. Hear me, this is not a day off. This is a pause with a purpose. This is a pull away and intentionally get some time that's going to fill your soul. Because we are in a season of momentum. We think the best is yet to come. We've got an amazing announcement that's going to be announced on June 3rd. You do not want to miss June 3rd. Great things are coming for this church. More than we could ask, hope, or imagine. But we want to run in with a healthy rhythm so that we can sustain the momentum.
And so we're going to corporately pause. We're going to say on Sunday, we're going to pull away to a lonely place and we're going to pray. And look, man, you can get filled in so many different unique ways. And there's not like a formula that we want to prescribe to you. But do what we do want to challenge you with is that don't just like wake up later. Although some of you who serve here, you know, it takes like 60 volunteers a week to pull off what we do here every single week. And we have the greatest volunteer teams of all history of the church. And they serve with like the happiest, gladdest hearts of all time. But this this is not just like for us to say, look, we want to we also this is also a thank you for those who serve like their tails off week in and week out. This is us saying, you know what, we see you and we value your soul. So we're going to pause. We're going to pause and say, we want you to rest. We want you to get your soul filled up. But it's not just about sleeping more. It's about returning to Jesus and receiving more. Can I say that again? It's not just about sleeping more. It's about returning to Jesus and receiving more. And and so we want to encourage you to carve out some time on that Sunday morning and to get with God and to spend some time praying and worshiping and living that personal lifestyle worship that we talked about in week one with David, like being a worshiper, letting worship move you forward and and allow the truth that Chris demonstrated for us when he's saying it's not just about what you say, but it's about really owning what you say and how that changes who you are and have a rich, vibrant encounter with the living God and come back on June 3rd with momentum in your soul that can be sustained because healthy rhythm always leads to sustained momentum. And we are after a momentum in this church that will not be quenched, that will not be stopped, that will not be broken or bogged down. We believe God's called us to believe for more than we could ask, hope, or imagine, for city transformation, for nothing short of revival, for every corner of the city to have a demonstration of the glory and power and beauty of the kingdom of heaven invading earth. We're going to stop for nothing short of that. We are in it to see the city of Austin change forever. But it's not just going to happen because we have momentum. It's going to happen because we have a healthy rhythm that's going to sustain our momentum. And so don't come here on Sunday. Pull away to a lonely place. Don't go to another church. Don't fill your schedule with something else. Pull away to a lonely place. Experience the power of receiving more of Jesus and the healthy rhythm that's going to sustain you and the momentum God has for you and the power of a pause that has purpose. Amen? Can you stand to your feet? You know, we're going to respond a little bit uniquely to this word this morning. We're not going to have our worship, our, our, our prayer teams come forward because we all need to respond to this. All of us need to say, you know what, I'm going to pause. I, I'm going to pause right now. And so we, we're going to sing this song, Take Me Back to My First Love. Make this your battle cry as we're learning the rhythm of receiving forgiveness and the rhythm of rest that leads to momentum that won't fade, that won't
won't stop. It won't get worn out. But we will mount on wings like eagles. Amen. We will run and not grow weary. Amen. It's in the healthy rhythm that we're going to have that sustained momentum. So here we are, Jesus. God, we're here because we need you. No matter what, God is here. We feel broken, lonely, full, in need, ready to give. Whatever it is that God is here, God, we're saying we all are in a collective place of saying we need to come back to our first love. We need to come back to our first love. We want to return. God, we want to pull away to a lonely place. We want to be with you. We want our souls to have a connection with you that's going to sustain us and carry us and propel us forward. God, I'm asking that even as we sing and as we respond in our hearts, maybe some of you need to get on your knees. You need to physically, like, surrender. Whatever it is that you need to do, this is your moment to be able to say, I'm beginning the power of the rhythm of the pause now. So, God, we love you. We love you. In Jesus' name.